0: Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio.
1: Well, hello everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on World Footprints Radio. We're your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're broadcasting from our hometown of Washington, D.C. Oh see <laughs> and You can hear the music in the background here on the National Mall for the dedication of the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial.
2: Over 50,000 people have gathered here on the National Mall and behind us you can hear the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Dedication Choir. And we're so excited to be here to witness the dedication of the MLK Memorial, the first on the National Mall to honor a man of peace, hope, and color.
1: You know, it uh, it was a long journey getting to this place. Uh, even the, the dedication itself was postponed to uh, the untimely arrival of Hurricane Irene uh, August 28th, which would have been the 40th anniversary of the I Have a Dream
2: let us not forget, too, we also had an earthquake in the days preceding the originally scheduled dedication. So we did experience quite a bit, but we're so thankful to be here today. Today's special edition of World Footprints, coming to you from the National Mall, West Potomac Park, to be exact, is dedicated to the legacy of Martin Luther King, Jr., The MLK sculpture lies at the center of a line of leadership that extends from the Lincoln Memorial to the Jefferson Memorial. At 30 feet in height, the sculpture of MLK, more precisely the Stone of Hope as it is called, is taller than the statues of Lincoln and Jefferson by some 11 feet. Today's show will feature remarks from a myriad of people, from President Barack Obama's dedication address to regular folks who will share the impact of MLK on their lives. We will have remarks from Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Stevie Wonder, and Layla Hathaway from some of the corporate sponsors. In addition, two special people will join us on World Footprints, Martin Luther King III, MLK's son, and Harry Johnson, the chairman and CEO of the MLK Junior Memorial Project Foundation. And a host of other dignitaries as well. We welcome your comments at any time about anything we're doing. Email us at comments at worldfootprints.com. And of course, please connect
1: with us and let's you know, be on our worldfootprints.com uh, website where you can sign up to follow us on Twitter. Re-다는, and every other social network that's probably out there uh certainly sign up for our newsletter as well. Yeah, because we to provide a lot of updates about events like this like, and events like the White House. So we're gonna to I think we're gonna have a little bit of a church service here. Yeah,
2: this Sunday freedom,
3: <laughs> in Washington,
4: although uh, yeah, that's
5: just
2: Freedom. Here are some remarks from the Honorable Martin Luther King the
6: We must finally get rid of racism. Today, at this great moment in our collective history, I ask you to join with me as the head of the Martin Luther King Center for Nonviolent Social Change to stand up for justice and social uh, unrest. Everywhere, we must build a brighter day for everyone and create the opportunity for people to once again acquire wealth. And therefore, we will ultimately triumph over those triple evils of poverty, racism, and militarism that my father championed often. Let us embrace Dad's legacy. Let us celebrate Dad's life. But more importantly, let us live as Dr. King envisioned when he described how all of our destinies are tied together. We are linked together. I can't be what I ought to be until you're what you ought to be, and you can't be what you ought to be until I'm what I ought to be because our destinies are tied together, is what he said. And so America today let us meet the challenge to finally embrace and become what we know we must become, and that is the beloved community. So no matter how far we have to go, and we probably do have a long way to go, it may get worse before it gets better. Do not get any ways tired. Do not get any ways tired because we have truly come much too far from where we started. You see, nobody ever told any of us that our roads would be easy, but I know our God, our God, our God did not bring any of us this far to leave us. Thank you so much, and God bless each and every one of you always.
1: So today's dedication plans have been scaled back from the earlier plans, which were set to coincide with the 48th anniversary of the March on Washington and Dr. King's "I Have a Dream" speech, this past I August. Know that we attended some of the gala prior to the so earlier plans' day. dedication, and I, I tell you, we just heard some Martin Luther King We're listening to life, right now.
3: Well,
7: this this moment, I think, first of all, means that uh, our nation celebrates, in addition to our presidents and our war memorials, now a man who represented peace and uh, love and justice. Uh, And hopefully it inspires us to become a much better nation because we have not achieved uh, anywhere near fully. Uh, what my father hoped uh, to see occur. We've made great strides. But uh, when we look at three issues that he talked about wanting to eradicate, which are poverty, racism, and militarism. Poverty is growing, unfortunately, uh, because of a terrible economy. Uh, racism is better, but when you realize that just June an African-American man was beaten up and then run over by a truck in Jackson, Mississippi. Not in 1964, but just a couple of months ago. Uh, It says that we have a lot of work still to do. And certainly in the area of militarism, we're involved in two or three wars ourselves uh, as we speak. And um, uh, we must find a way to, to elevate... The, the standard. Um, if we're going to continue to provide leadership as a, uh, a democracy, uh, I don't know that we will always be successful by using uh, warring methods.
1: What would you tell these young people their responsibility is in order to continue the legacy that your father started? Well, I,
7: I think that um, they are, the, Albert put it in a form of a quotation, and you know, I think every generation has its calling. Uh when we look at these issues that are impacting. I mean, young people are going uh to colleges and universities and graduating without job opportunities. And I I think that in a real sense, uh, we are we are focused in the wrong direction. We we're focused on reality television. Some of that, most of that, not is counterproductive. It is a form of entertainment, but everybody has to do just a little to make our nation, I think, better. Um, and the quotation that I often use is, "Be ashamed to die until you want a victory for humanity." Now, that does not mean that you have to win a victory for our world or for our nation. You can win a victory in your school. You can win a victory in your neighborhood. You can win a victory in your place of worship. Uh, You can win a victory on your street. But be ashamed to die until you've done a little something to make the world in which we live a little better than it was when you arrived.
2: Thank you so much. As we know, Dr. King had a global impact, and that impact was felt no stronger than in South Africa. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu joins us with remarks about this day.
4: I am one of the millions who owe the freedom to Dr. King's advocacy of democracy, justice, hope, and love. Dr. King's teachings inspired and established a new era of civil rights in America. His spirit has encouraged new democracies around the world, he would be here in South Africa. And the power of his legacy continues to inspire and guide people searching for freedom and equality. This wonderful memorial would permanently stand in the heart of America's capital city, but the values it represents will reach and resound around the world. For those who stood with Dr. King and heard him speak his prophetic words, it must be hard to believe that 48 years have passed since he shared his dream on the steps of the memorial to America's great emancipator. We have waited a very long time for this moment, But if there is one lesson of Dr. King we must always remember, it is that what is good and what is right will always one day prevail. This lesson has kept hope alive in many of the world's darkest corners, and it has encouraged those following in Dr. King's footsteps to continue his commitment to resolving conflict without violence. Thanks to Dr. King's wisdom and sacrifice, our world is a freer and more peaceful one. And every day we see the legacy of his hope and vision that people around the world seek freedom, equality, and opportunity. Through nonviolence, this magnificent memorial to Dr. King is well deserved, and the well world needs the messages it enshrines to gain as much as ever. God bless you.
2: Abraham Rasool, the South African ambassador to the United States, offers these remarks about the impact of Dr. King as we. Reflect upon Dr. King's contributions as we celebrate today.
8: Almost five decades later, we all gather in Washington to memorialise and stoke the values for which Martin Luther King stood and died. And this is a long time in the memory of some, but it could not be more time yet that we do it in this era to memorialize those values because we live in a world where the values of truth, peace, forgiveness compassion, reconciliation and so forth are seen as weaknesses where they are denigrated where they are seen as untrainable values and their values of exigency, of pragmatism and harshness and militarism seem to be on the other. These values of reconciliation, peace, truth, forgiveness, and compassion are the values for which Martin Luther King lived and are the foundations from which apartheid was defeated. They are in the DNA of leaders like Albert Lutuli, Archbishop Tutu, F. W. and Nelson Mandela, and many others were produced in the cauldron of the fight against apartheid. In the words of Gandhi, of Martin Luther King, and of Nelson Mandela, was not to understand yourself as chosen and others as frozen, but to understand that under God's canopy, the canopy of compassion and of mercy, there is place for everyone, irrespective of color, irrespective of language, Irrespective of creed, irrespective of hair type, irrespective of any other things that mark difference between people. That difference is the reason to engage, not the reason to polarize, and not the reason to isolate. <laughs> and as an African ambassador, as I stand here and drive past almost every day, a statue. Of Massachusetts Avenue. And as we will today, uh, in the next week, officially add to the memorials of Washington the one outstanding memorial of Martin Luther King, we are challenged that the golden triangle of peace, compassion, nonviolence, and struggle against adversity, that that third point in the triangle must be completed. And we pledge that in the year 2012, The third step of that triangle will be completed outside the Embassy of South Africa on Massachusetts to build the Golden Triangle by completing the memorial to Nelson Polisnachta Mandela in Washington because Washington is the (laughs) place That determines so much where we stand between peace and war, where we stand between reconciliation and vengeance. Where we stand between compassion and harshness, and if this golden triangle can guide the leaders who make decisions, then 50 years is not a long time to wait for the statue and the memorial to Martin Luther King. Thank you very much. And you.
2: Eric Peterson, Vice President of Diversity for General Motors, talks about the impact of Dr.
9: King.
10: up keep coming back to Detroit. I don't know if many of you that have followed Dr. King, but would know that he spent a lot of time in Detroit. And it was very humbling for, as he looked at his I Have a Dream speech, which was made famous here in Washington, but he had kind of a preliminary one that he did in, in Detroit that attracted hundreds of thousands of people because the man and the message resonated with the people of Detroit. But when I compared both speeches, and I also looked at a letter from uh, Birmingham, the one thing that I did find out and I watched was I understood more better as to what our leadership, our General Motors leadership, the issues that they had to address and how they addressed them. And I think a historic fact that is important, especially for General Motors, is that our chairman at the time Stood on the top of the General Motors buildings and, in fact, watched a city burning, which was Detroit, during the 1968 riots. And at that time, he made a decision, and I'll quote him he says, This has got to stop. We cannot let this happen to our beloved city. And essentially, by him taking that step, General Motors decided that we had to bring leaders in that would help us either from the private sector or from the government, to help us. And that led to us bringing Reverend Leon Solomon onto our board. And the significance of that was that Reverend Solomon was the very first African-American, the very first black to be on our board, but more importantly, on on any major corporation in the nation, he was the very first one. That was important.
2: As we go to break,
5: Darlene Taylor
2: and Rich Door of Washington DC talk about the meaning of the MLK Memorial.
11: Darlene Taylor, I grew up in Washington DC.
5: Rich Door, I grew up in Massachusetts.
11: And how long
1: have you been here, Rich?
5: Well, I've been here now for about 15 years, so I'm pretty much uh, at home now here in DC. Yeah.
1: And um what does this this whole dedication this whole week mean to you guys? Because you don't you don't look like children from the civil rights, you're too young. But (laughs) having grown
11: up in D.C., I remember remember a very different U Street. I I remember the days after the riots, and I remember remember, uh, the curfews. I remember walking along U Street and going into stores and just still feeling the sting in my eyes from the tear gas. Um, And so it's wonderful to see the city reviving, and it's so exciting to have this monument to Dr. King and his dream and the work that he did. It's exciting. How about you, Rick?
5: Well, to me, it uh, represents a, uh, another step along the continuum of civil rights. I think that this step is probably way overdue. I'm happy to see it happen right now. Uh, I think hopefully that the, uh, the folks now, nowadays who come behind Dr. King can can go forward and and, and uh, really understand his legacy what he was trying to accomplish and try to really t- live out those, those means if we can. So I'm very happy to see this happen.
1: And if you had one message to share with the younger generation who didn't, who are who riding on the shoulders of, of, of men like Dr. King and, and Ambassador Young, what would you tell this upcoming generation?
5: Well, the first thing I think is, that, is to actually read about Dr. King. I think a lot of young people today are not really that knowledgeable about what he, what he stood for. Uh, his accomplishments and what he was trying to trying to prove uh, in his lifestyle or in his, in his lifetime. So hopefully, it will take the time first to read and understand what he was trying to accomplish, then try to model what he was trying to trying to do for them also, in, uh, in the way that he wanted to live his life. So I think just gained some more knowledge about but the entire civil rights movement.
11: One of the things that I think of is that um, with Dr. King and his message, and just looking at the overall civil rights era, is that. It wasn't just something for people of our complexion. It was really something for everybody, everybody who's in America, and really ideas for people around the world to embrace. And that's embracing that humanity, embracing, embracing justice. And uh, so for the younger kids, I think for them now, it's a history lesson. You know, we are the generation that grew up after segregation. So we grew up in integrated communities, and our children don't know what it feels like or what our parents, their struggles, and they don't understand the shoulders that we stand on. So I think it's important to continue to educate because as long as we know the past, we can move forward in the future. Well, thank you both so
1: much for joining me today.
2: When we return, more from the MLK Junior Memorial dedication, including remarks from Madeline Albright on King's Global Impact and Stevie Wonder as World Footprints Radio continues.
0: Travel is all about the adventure, the excitement, and the discovery of something new. Log on now to TravelWithSomebody.com to find people who share your love of travel and who, like you, are seeking the excitement of new undiscovered places. Even if you've been there before, TravelWithSomebody.com can connect you with people who can enhance your experience and make your travels more memorable. TravelWithSomebody.com. Connect with people who share your passion for travel and culture. Get travel advice, post photos, blog, and read reviews all online with TravelWithSomebody.com. Get inspired to travel and adventure. TravelWithSomebody.com.
1: So I'm standing here with Lisa Anders, who was Senior Project Coordinator uh, on the, uh, with the architectural firm. For the memorial right. what does this mean to you to see this finally come to fruition
12: well this project has been a long time coming and for me it's a great feather in my cap uh, as far as my career is concerned but more importantly the emotional experience of building a memorial in the national mall in honor of dr king i'm just hopeful that it will re-energize our country and the world to get more in touch with some of his principles so that we could possibly continue to move forward and look at achieving peace worldwide.
1: You know, when I moved here uh, 10 years ago, I heard of the, the foundation and I thought, mm, will this ever happen? I knew right. fundraising was an issue. And, uh, but, you know, looking back and seeing where the memorial has come and even where its location is, which is incredibly right. ideal and appropriate, Um, I'm filled with so much joy.
12: That's great. I mean, it's great to hear that we were able to, you know, we're a joint venture team of McKissick, Turner, Tompkins, and Guilford. But the foundation, our client had the vision. And we were able to execute it. And it's an absolutely gorgeous site. And at night, it's a different emotional experience as well. It's almost like experiencing two different memorials, daytime and nighttime. But I'm very excited. And happy to be able to share this with the world.
1: Have you uh, experienced the memorial during like the media day or the public day yesterday? Yeah.
12: Yes, I've been. You know, I'm there on the ground every day, and I've been there when we did the soft opening. And just listening, you know, as I pass by, hearing the different people's comments about the memorial is just really. It allows you to have an opportunity to say, okay, you put all this. you know, concrete and granite all together, but the experience that people are having is what has really touched me, and I was there on those days of all the press conference and the first opening day. Well,
1: Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you for your involvement and really for making a dream
12: come true for all of us. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. That
2: was Lisa Anders of the NTTG Design Build Consortium that built this magnificent memorial. Welcome back to World Footprint, my name is Patrick, and I'm to you from the dedication of the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial on the National Mall here in Washington. As we heard from Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Ambassador Azul, Dr. King inspired the world in pursuit of freedom and peace, and in this segment, Harry Johnson of the MLK Memorial Committee, U.S. Trade Representative William Kirk, and former U.N. Ambassador and Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright speak to that aspect of Dr. King. First, Harry Johnson.
13: We wanted to be sure that our celebration included time to remember Dr. Keene as a leader with world vision. His concerns were for the rights of all people, not just here in our own country, but those who live across the globe. And for that, we owe him a continued debt of gratitude.
14: On Kings: As the face of the United States now, in our commercial relations, I am inspired and humbled to see that same spirit of self-determination and faith in the work, in the lives of people, as you've heard from our wonderful ambassador from South Africa, to as we are witnessing now the breath of Dr. King's words coming to life in places like Libya and Egypt in the Middle East, in North Africa, as mothers and fathers all embrace that global principle of self-faith, self-determination, and self-empowerment. And to me, that is the spirit of Dr. King's work. That is the genius of the, globa- the globalness of his message. People intuitively understand that democratic rights give people the power to shape our own destinies and our own futures. And they also understand that increasing individual freedom helps unleash liberty and give entrepreneurs the freedom to empower themselves to create a better life, not only for themselves, but for their families and for their friends and for their neighbors. So it seems fair to me to say that Dr. King's life and work helped shape a strong foundation for global development. His efforts inspired a universal call for social justice that have helped move hundreds of millions of people out of poverty in just a few generations. I know, we all know, there is so much more to do. Secretary Albright on Dr. King's Global Impact.
15: He was a man who spoke to all races, nations, genders, and creeds, and to every generation. His knowledge of human character and his realism about the obstacles to progress make even more compelling the prescription that he offered—hope, faith, commitment, and compassion towards one another. He knew that a world of peace and justice could not be achieved by small steps or by minor adjustments to our thinking and policies. He told us that such a world could not be invented even by the most startling advances of modern technology. And he warned us that we could not break through as a society if we were always looking around to see what everyone else was doing and so that we would be shielded from the criticism that true leaders face and everybody on the face of the globe. Now we may wonder today whether that is a reasonable stance to set. After all, nations have economic, political, and security interests that often come into conflict. We Americans have enemies who have attacked us and who openly proclaim their hate. It's far easier to talk about the redemptive power of love than it is to apply that concept in a complex and challenging world. We cannot always live up to the standard that Dr. King established, and we should admit that. But if we ever fail to acknowledge morality as a guiding light, then we are truly lost, and we should never forget that. Thank you so much for letting me participate in this conversation. Thank you.
2: One of the great stories from the MLK Memorial Dedication is Stevie Wonder. Thanks to his generosity, blind people will Even be able to flew, bro, or yourself yourself celebration. It is truly really an honor to be here
13: the beginning of this celebration
4: of the memorial of Dr. Martin Luther King. I want to personally and emotionally thank you here, Johnson, for making it possible for me to see them on
3: He made
4: it possible for me to go up and share uh, a checker and have the faith. Dr. King.
7: Uh-huh. What I'd like to do before I say anything more is,
4: Living on the Foundation, Commit to the Foundation $10,000 a year, that will allow as many people that are blind to go up in the territory court to see them. (laughs) And if that don't cover it, I guess I gotta tell from the record.
1: As we had to break, Sylvia Cyrus of the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History, the founders of Black History Month, talks about the impact of the MLK Memorial. Sylvia Cyrus, tell us about
16: your organization. Uh, yes, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, the undisputed father of black history, started our organization 96 years ago in 1950. Uh, we preserve, research, and disseminate information about African American history, and we are the founders of Black History as, Black History Month, as Dr. Woodson started this celebration in 1926. What does this mean to you? I think that for America, uh, this is really a great opportunity to look back on the triumphs and struggles that we have had as a nation, and to celebrate the fact that in America, this great country... That we can, you know, overcome great odds if we just put our shoulders to the wall. And, um, you know, for our association, as we look back in history, uh, we have just seen the progression of how African Americans and how America has embraced uh, civil rights in a in a much broader way. So we hope that this is the beginning of a, a new day in America where we'll look more closely at accomplishments of this country as it relates to civil rights.
1: And you alluded uh, to to something, you know, we have, uh, we still have some work to do. We have really a long way to go. Uh, We have come far, but we have a longer way to go. What do you think some of our next steps should be?
16: I think that we have to look at, because we do history, we say look back to go forward. Um, And I think that, uh, again, for us, we have really got to look at what we're not doing right and really embrace of policies that take us forward in terms of civil rights and equal rights for people. Uh, America is only as good as the lowest of us and we've got to do more uh, for housing, for jobs, for employment so that as a country we can grow and and become again the great country and nation. Thank you so much. much.
1: much.
2: Voice, history. Uh, it's really moving, and it's not-so-subtle of the that's what that falls on all of us.
1: up on the press riser where it's been a couple of times to take the it's photographs. Here, here is a white cap a as has really what the eye can see. And everyone is supporting been. the uh, part of the memorial white cap that uh, was hope donated hope to everyone free of cards so by Tommy Hilfiger and, to you 50,000 know, plus people, people here in Madison. And who did in any yeah, event, when we return, we have a lot of more surprises in store. Uh, you saw the Presidential Motor team come up behind us, right? He's in that. Yeah, he's find time. We're running a little bit late, but it's only a time. Uh, but we have him, Aretha Franklin, a hometown girl, Jennifer Holliday, and more surprises when we come back. Stay
13: tuned with us. And we'll Hi,
6: I'm Isaac Newton Ferris Jr., President and CEO of the King Center in Atlanta. My Uncle Martin's words still inspire us today, but his vision cannot be fully realized unless we join together to strengthen our communities through everyday acts of service to others. Honor his memory this King Day and throughout the year by volunteering in your community.
1: This message brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service, the King Center, NAB, and this station.
16: Oh wow, There's so many things. I mean, it stretches out. It it seems at some point like a message meant directly
1: to fear, and now it's such a global message on so many levels in terms so, of freedom. Uh, Layla, thank you so much thank for joining you. me today. This is an exciting event, and what will you be doing here today? I'm going to be singing one of my father's songs
16: called Someday Will I Be Free. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember that song. I grew up with your father. And speaking of your father, you know, you and I are quite young. Yeah,
16: so we're, we're in, our, in our teens.
1: Yes, thank you. And so we didn't necessarily grow up during the civil rights era. What would your father think of today? And what would you, what message would you have for the younger people who really don't
16: understand what segregation and what the struggles have been? Um, you know, there's a certain amount of education that needs to happen in every household, in every school. Uh, in terms of our kids, and that means black American kids and American kids in general because it's the history of our country, not only our people, it's the history of our country. And so I think that uh, my father would be very proud to be here today. I think he would be very proud that his song became sort of a part of this movement and that I'm here to perform it.
1: Man, and, and what would you say to the younger people in order to
16: keep these dreams alive? Because there's still struggle. Yeah, I would say to educate yourself. I think there's so many of us who don't know what happened, or we've seen it dramatized in a movie. To really educate yourself and to read a book every now and again, it's going to change your life. And Layla Hathaway, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Oh, we've just heard the music of... From India Ari and the voice of Layla Hathaway as we welcome you back to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick, and coming to the stage is my hometown girl, kind of Ian's pseudo hometown girl. Yeah,
2: you know, uh, Detroit we have to <laughs> represent, and uh, no one better than Aretha Franklin.
1: I'm just trying to see if she has, no, she doesn't have a hat. Remember that beautiful hat that she wore during uh, President Obama's inauguration? Good morning, everyone. Good morning.
16: What a pleasure it is to be here with you and to be a part of this magnanimous and most historical day of remembrance for a man who was so great and so lovely. Good morning, Christine. How are you? I'm going to sing something that uh, Dr. King often requested, and uh, as a matter of fact, he requested it uh, the morning that he was going to uh, Billy Kyle's for dinner.
3: Get tired.
2: Franklin, the Queen of Soul, with her rendition of Precious Lord. As we await the President's remarks, Harry Johnson, the President and CEO of the Martin Luther King Jr. National Memorial Project Foundation, will
13: offer some remarks. God bless Aretha Franklin. And what a glorious morning this is today. As I stand here and look across the transformation. landscape, I see a wonderful example of what we can accomplish with this faith and with a stone of hope. We come together today to honor and celebrate the ideals of an humble man who understood that all humanity is linked together. And we come together to dedicate the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial our memorial, the world's memorial. Our hope is that through this memorial, Dr. King's legacy will continue to touch those who walked with him, those inspired by him, and future generations who will get to know him. On behalf of the Martin Luther King Jr. National Memorial Project Foundation, I want to thank everyone for doing so much, so long, to help us arrive at this triumphant day in history. Once more, I also thank you to my family and to the staff of the MLK Memorial, a small group of folks that have worked tirelessly to make Dr. King's dream a reality right here on our National Mall. And so, it is indeed with great pleasure and honor that I have to introduce to you the President of the United States, President Barack Obama. Mr. President, thank
9: you Thank you. Mr. President. Thank, you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please be treated. An earthquake and a hurricane may have delayed this day, but this is a day that would not be denied. For this day, we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s return to the National Mall. In this place, He will stand for all time among monuments to those who fathered this nation and those who defended it. A black preacher, no official rank or title, who somehow gave voice to our deepest dreams and our most lasting ideals. A man who stirred our conscience and thereby helped make our union more perfect. Dr. King would be the first to remind us that this memorial is not for him alone. The movement of which he was a part depended on an entire generation of leaders. Many are here today. And for their service and their sacrifice, we owe them our everlasting gratitude. This is a monument to your collective achievement. Some giants of the Civil Rights Movement, like Rosa Parks and Dorothy Height, Benjamin Hooks, Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, they've been taken from us these past few years. This monument attests to their strength and their courage And while we miss them dearly, we know they rest in a better place. And finally, there are the multitudes of men and women whose names never appear in the history books. Those who marched and those who sang. Those who sat in and those who stood firm. Those who organized and those who mobilized. All those men and women who, through countless acts of quiet heroism, helped bring about changes few thought were even possible. By the thousands, said Dr. King, faceless, anonymous, relentless young people, black and white, have taken our whole nation back to those great wells of democracy which were dug deep by the founding fathers in the formulation of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. To those men and women, those foot soldiers for justice know that this monument is yours as well nearly half a century has passed since that historic march on washington a day when thousands upon thousands gathered for jobs and for freedom that is what our school children remember best when they think of dr king His booming voice across this mall, calling on America to make freedom a reality for all of God's children. Prophesizing of a day when the jangling discord of our nation would be transformed into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. It is right that we honor that march, that we lift up Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. For without that shining moment, without Dr. King's glorious words, we might not have had the courage to come as far as we have. Because of that hopeful vision, because of Dr. King's moral imagination, barricades began to fall and bigotry began to fade. New doors of opportunity swung open for an entire generation. Yes, laws changed, but hearts and minds changed as well. Look at the faces here around you, and you see an America that is more fair and more free and more just than the one Dr. King addressed that day. We are right to savor that slow but certain progress, progress that's expressed itself in a million ways, large and small across this nation every single day, as people of all colors and creeds live together and work together and fight alongside one another and learn together and build together and love one another. So it is right for us to celebrate today Dr. King's dream and his vision of unity. He calls on us to stand in the other person's shoes, to see through their eyes, to understand their pain. He tells us that we have a duty to fight against poverty, even if we are well off. To care about the child in the decrepit school, even if our own children are doing fine. To show compassion toward the immigrant family with the knowledge that most of us are only a few generations removed from similar hardships. To say that we are bound together as one people and must constantly strive to see ourselves in one another is not to argue for a false unity that papers over our differences and ratifies an unjust status quo. As was true 50 years ago, as has been true throughout human history, those with power and privilege will often decry any call for change as divisive. They'll say any challenge to the existing arrangements are unwise and destabilizing. Dr. King understood that peace without justice was no peace at all, that aligning our reality with our ideals often requires the speaking of uncomfortable truths and the creative tension of nonviolent protests but he also understood that to bring about true and lasting change there must be the possibility of reconciliation that any social movement has to channel this tension through the spirit of love and mutuality if he were alive today I believe he would remind us that the unemployed worker can rightly challenge the excesses of Wall Street without demonizing all who work there that the businessman can enter tough negotiations with his company's union without vilifying the right to collectively bargain. He would want us to know we can argue fiercely about the proper size and role of government without questioning each other's love for this country, with the knowledge that in this democracy, government is no distant object, but is rather an expression of our common commitments to one another. He would call on us to assume the best in each other, rather than the worst and challenge one another in ways that ultimately heal rather than wound. In the end, that's what I hope my daughters take away from this monument. I want them to come away from here with a faith in what they can accomplish when they are determined and working for a righteous cause. I want them to come away from here with a faith in other people, and a faith in a benevolent God. This sculpture, massive and iconic as it is, will remind them of Dr. King's strength, but to see him only as larger than life would do a disservice to what he taught us about ourselves. He would want them to know that he had setbacks, because they will have setbacks. He would want them to know that he had doubts because they will have doubts. He would want them to know that he was flawed because all of us have flaws. It is precisely because Dr. King was a man of flesh and blood and not a figure of stone that he inspires us so. His life, his story tells us that change can come if you don't give up. He would not give up no matter how long it took because in the smallest hamlets and the darkest slums he had witnessed the highest reaches of the human spirit because in those moments when the struggle seemed most hopeless he had seen men and women and children conquer their fear because he had seen hills and mountains made low and rough places made plain and the crooked places made straight and God make a way out of no way. That is why we honor this man, because he had faith in us. And that is why he belongs on this mall, because he saw what we might become. That is why Dr. King was so quintessentially American, because for all the hardships we've endured, for all our sometimes tragic history, ours is a story of optimism and achievement and constant striving that is unique upon this earth. And that is why the rest of the world still looks to us to lead. This is a country where ordinary people find in their hearts the courage to do extraordinary things. The courage to stand up in the face of the fiercest resistance and despair and say, this is wrong and this is right. We will not settle for what the cynics tell us we have to accept. And we will reach again and again, no matter the odds, for what we know is possible. That is the conviction we must carry now in our hearts. Thank you, God bless you and God bless the United States of America. And those are
3: the words of President
2: Barack Obama. those were the words of President Barack Obama on the dedication of the morning. To, to memorialize truly really one of the great Americans.
1: with you and connecting with you through Facebook, Twitter, and many other...
0: discovery of something new. Log on now to TravelWithSomebody.com to find people who share your love of travel and who, like you, are seeking the excitement of new undiscovered places. Even if you've been there before, TravelWithSomebody.com can connect you with people who can enhance your experience and make your travels more memorable. TravelWithSomebody.com Connect with people who share your passion for travel and culture. Get travel advice, post photos, blog, and read reviews all online with TravelWithSomebody.com. Get inspired to travel and adventure. TravelWithSomebody.com